At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you would, please take out the Word of God and turn in the Word of God today to the book of Ephesians and chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number two. Now, while you are going there, I want to take just a moment to talk about camels. Camels. Yes, we're going to talk about camels. Now, you know, camels are divinely designed. They're odd, of course, right? But they are an amazing design. We're all aware of camel humps. You do know that camel humps are mostly fat which can provide energy to the camel when food is very scarce. They can go many days with little or no food or water. Camels have padded feet that keeps them from sinking into loose sand, very much like the webbing of a snowshoe keeps a person on top of the snow. It's an amazing design that God has. The camel's eyes are protected with three eyelids. There are two outer eyelids include long curly eyelashes which protect the eyes from blowing sand and then the thin inner eyelid winks over the eyeball and cleans off any dust that may get in there. You may not know it but camels have special muscles that enable the camel to close its nostrils during a sandstorm and their thick eyebrows shield their eyes from the desert sun. Clearly we would say God created animals for a specific environment. Now, in some ways, we're very much like that. You go, whoa. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we are odd in our own way. We are peculiar. We have our own warts, our own strangeness, right? But God has divinely designed us for a specific environment also. And that environment is to serve God and others. Today we're going to be completing our series we've entitled Divinely Designed to Serve. And our foundation verse that we've used over and over again is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, where it tells us that we are his workmanship, his handiwork, his masterpiece, his special composition created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we, that's you and me, would walk in them, that we would live them out. And what we've been doing is we have been looking at an acrostic this whole time, which talks about how he has shaped me and how he shapes you for ministry. It involves the English word shape, S-H-A-P-E. Each one stands for something. The S stood for spiritual gifts that he's given to us. H is our heart passion that he invigorates and energizes in us. Then we have our abilities. We have our natural abilities and our acquired abilities and also our personality. And today we want to go to the last letter in the acrostic, which is the letter E, which is our experiences. He uses our experiences to shape me and to shape you for ministry. Now here's what is interesting about the letter E in our acrostic. The experiences part is frequently overlooked. It is regularly discounted. 
People often disconnect it from this idea of God's divine design for me to serve. And what I want to emphasize is that God never wastes anything. That God utilizes everything. And a theme we're going to see throughout our time this morning is this. There's purpose in your past. There's purpose in your past. Now, here's what I think is going to happen today. I think God is going to surprise some of us. Some of us are going to come in this morning and we're going to be surprised by the new perspective about experiences that we gain. I think some of us are going to come out of our time today with a new perspective that can make a difference on the rest of our life when it comes to some of the experiences we have had in our life. I want to begin by looking at a famous verse. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, as Paul's writing, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we want to just zero in on a few of the key words in that verse. The first one is the word know. We know. This is not mere speculation. This is not some sort of a weak theory or hypothesis. We know that God causes what? All things to work together. What all is included in all things? It would be what? All things, right? That would include our our joys and our sorrows. It would include our accomplishments and our struggles. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. What is the good that he's working towards? Well, we learn from the next verse, verse 29, is that the good is he is seeking to develop his image in our life. He wants me, and he wants you, to be more like Jesus. So we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And men and women, that includes positive experiences that we have in our life, and it also includes painful experiences we have in our life. It includes positive experiences, experiences where we've thrived, and painful experiences where we have survived. It includes the high points in our life experientially, and it includes the low points in our life experientially. It includes our positive experiences and our painful experiences. Positive experiences, for example, like our education, like our training, like our accomplishments, like our achievements, like our adventures, but also painful experiences like the hardships that we've undergone, the the failures that we've had, the deepest difficulties that we face, and the life struggles that we wrestle with on a regular basis. So, This is part of the way God chooses to shape you and me, using our positive experiences and our painful experiences. Now, as we've been showing you all along, the principles that we're sharing come directly out of Scripture. We see them clearly illustrated for us in Scripture. For example, let's just take one person, the person of the Apostle Paul, and we're going to see how God used positive experiences in his life to shape him for ministry. 
We have several passages up here, Philippians 3, 5, Acts 22, 3, and then Acts 17, 1 to 3. What do those verses talk about? Well, if you go to Philippians 3, Paul says regarding his own life, the way he was raised, he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a member of the nation of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And then in Acts 22, verse 3, it tells us that he grew up being educated under Gamaliel, who was the number one Jewish scholar of the day. Those are some positive experiences he had that helped shape him for ministry. What did those positive experiences bring for him? It, it brought him a lot of credibility and a lot of qualification for the early stretch of his ministry. And that's why we learn that about in Acts 17, verses 1 to 3. Because early in Paul's ministry, he had a pattern of ministry. His custom was to always on the Sabbath day go where? You remember? He would go into the synagogue. And he understood because he was raised in this whole Jewish system, he understood everything in the synagogue, the way that the service would flow in the synagogue. And it says he would go into the synagogue and he would seek to reason with them from the Hebrew scriptures. And they would want to listen to him because of the positive experiences he had, the qualifications he had. And he would share with them from the Hebrew scriptures the evidence that Messiah was destined to suffer and to rise from the dead. So when you look at the positive experience that he went through in his life, we might say to Paul, there's purpose in your past. See how God used that, those positive experiences he had to shape him for ministry. But he also had, Paul did, painful experiences. And he delineates that for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. Remember that when he's just beginning to talk about everything that happened to him? It wasn't a bunch of joyous things. It was a bunch of difficult, painful things. And in, the, in that section of 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about the imprisonments multiple that he, he underwent, the beatings multiple that he underwent. He talks about the multiple dangers that he faced. He said, I, I faced the danger of hunger and the danger of thirst and the, the danger of cold and exposure to the cold. And he even talks about there were assassination attempts that happened in his life. A lot of painful experiences. But here's what's interesting. Because of those painful experiences that he underwent in his life, he had some credibility. Because of those painful experiences... Because of God's presence and grace that saw him through that, he earned a hearing of credibility for others that were experiencing negative things in their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. So he's gone through all these things, but, but here's how he is encouraging those at Corinth who were undergoing difficult times. He says, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And you think about all these painful experiences he went through. He describes them as momentary light affliction. Whoa, wait a minute. What he went through isn't light affliction. It's about as difficult as you can get in this lifetime. But he was comparing it with eternity. Eternity, He says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us as we go through these painful experiences an eternal weight of glory. 
You see how, as he went through those painful experiences, it gave him some credibility to talk about how God's presence and grace can see you through them. We could say to Paul that there's purpose in your past. There's purpose in your past, Paul. And by the way, that is is true today. Not just back when Paul lived, it's true today. A positive experience that we have can shape us for ministry. Positive experience can shape us for ministry. I'm gonna just tell you a story, for example, of Tommy and Amy, who were a young couple falling in love. And they decided to make a commitment to honor God and to honor each other by abstaining from physical intimacy until they got married. Was that easy? No, it was hard. It was difficult for them. But God gave them the strength to keep that commitment. And we wish we could see that commitment being realized more in our day. They got married. Now they're husband and wife. They chose to use their experience as working through that commitment to help young couples stay pure before the Lord prior to their marriage. So God can use positive experiences today to help shape us for ministry. Maybe you grew up in a spiritually solid home, a home that was loving, a home that had grace in it, a home that had laughter in it. And that can become a platform to point others to share practically what it looks like to have that kind of a spiritually solid home. A loving home, a home with grace, a home with laughter. So even today, God can use a positive experience to shape us for ministry, but he can also use painful experiences to shape us for ministry. Now, I I wanna hit pause for just a moment because I think we need help here. I really do. I think we need help when it comes to seeing hardships as part of God's shaping of me to minister. I think we need help in seeing our own failures. We all have them as part of God's plan to set me up for ministry to others. We have a hard time understanding that the deepest struggles we have can be part of God's shaping for us in ministry. I mean, the truth is, we doubt that God can use a divorce in our life. We doubt that God could use an abortion. We doubt that God could use an eating disorder. We doubt that God could use alcoholism. We doubt that God could use sexual abuse. We doubt that God could use a job loss. We doubt that God could use false accusations. And yet, he uses painful experiences like that to set us up to minister and to serve to other people. In a sense, all of us are broken. And when we're broken, you know what the enemy likes to do? The enemy likes to come along and whisper little things in our ears like this. You know what? I think you're pretty worthless because of that experience that you went through. I think you ought to feel a lot of despair. 
I think you should feel rejection from God because here comes the message. God couldn't ever use somebody like you. So here's the point in all this. When we encounter a painful experience, men and women, we have a choice to make. The choice we have to make is, are we going to believe God will work that painful experience for good, that he will take that setback that we have as a set up? Or are we going to rather make the choice to merely be a victim? He wants us, Satan does, to feel victimized and to become paralyzed in the pain that we have from that painful experience. We have a choice that we have to make. We have the choice to become engulfed in self-pity or to embrace the painful experience as a sacred scar. You know, as the outcome in my life going to be misery or is the outcome of my life going to be ministry? I want to direct our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Great couple of verses. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. And it says there that he comforts us in all our affliction so that there's a purpose and a plan beyond just comforting us. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, a crisis that we go through, God can use as a catalyst for ministry. Now think about it. Who better to help one walk through the valley of the shadow than one who walked through the valley of shadow before you did, right? Because someone who walked through the valley of the shadow before you can confirm to you as you are in the midst of the darkness of that valley, they can confirm that without God there, or with God, there are no accidents. With God, there's no accidents. He will be with you. They can confirm he is worthy of being trusted. They can confirm that his grace is sufficient for you when you are walking through the valley of the shadow. There's a life principle I want us to ponder, and I encourage you to just even ponder this this next week. Here's the life principle. Often our most effective ministry will flow out of our most difficult experience. Let's say that again. Often, our most effective ministry will flow out of our most difficult experience. Now, I don't want to just talk abstractly. Let's get real. There's a four foot 10, 90 pound single mom. And she's walking to the grocery store in Michigan. And a large man jumps out of the bushes with a knife. He takes this single mom, drags her off into a field, slits her clothes, and yes, the worst happens. 
And she finds out later she's pregnant from that event. Tragic event. Can God use that? Would God use that? Could God use that? That little tiny mom decided to give birth to that child and immediately put her young daughter up for adoption. I want to introduce you to that young daughter who came out of that violent event. Her name is Rebecca Kiesling. I met Rebecca at a banquet and uh, corresponded with her a number of times. And think about that violent event. I mean, you want to talk about a painful experience knowing you came out of such a violent event? For the past 27 years, she's been a pro-life speaker internationally. She's spoken at crisis pregnancy centers. She's spoken at adoption conferences. If you'd like to learn more about her whole story, you can go to her website, which is RebeccaKiesling.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-K-I-E-S-S-L-I-N-G.com. Often our most effective ministry will flow out of our most difficult experience. It's true. Stephen Otterburn tells the story of a woman that he knew in in his church that had had an entire lifetime of bondage, but she found the courage to change. Here's what he said. He said, she's now 70, but five years ago at the age of 65, she admitted that she had been sexually molested as a child. For decades, she had carried this secret around with her. She had trouble giving to others because of her own deep pain. By finally opening up about her problems to some people in the church, she was courageously saying that she would not settle for being a victim anymore. As she honestly worked through her pain, she began to discover God's healing grace. See that comfort that he can bring. And a year after sharing her secret, she began a ministry to help others who had been abused, to help them find the same freedom and fulfillment she was experiencing. He goes on to say, she now ministers to more than 500 women through her outreach program. Her sorrow was turned to joy as she watched others heal the same brokenness that was preventing them from knowing God's best. And here's what he goes on to say. He says, that is the beauty of God's plan, the full circle of his redemptive love. Those in need are lovingly served and are slowly and gradually transformed by such love. Then they too can begin to serve others in need. And the cycle, once a destructive path of pain becomes infused with the healing power of God. And I want to remind you, this doesn't just happen, you know, other places around the country. Uh, This happens right here in Oklahoma. This happens right here in our community. For example, Ron Grant, who spent 17 years as a prison chaplain at Joseph Hart Correctional Center, which is a medium security prison in Lexington, Oklahoma. 17 years as a prison chaplain. If you said to him, well, why did you ever decide that you wanted to serve in that way? He had an answer. You see, Ron Grant was a cabinet maker who was mistakenly arrested 
and thrown into jail for 24 hours before that all got cleared up. And while he was in jail, he was just looking around. He said, you know what? I think these people need help. I want to help them. Tell you the story of Tracy who lived and lives in our community. Her husband committed suicide. That's a painful experience to go through. A year and a half later, after her husband had committed suicide, she was volunteering to speak to a support group addressing the subject matter of teen suicide. We have others in our body who have been through painful experiences, and they said, you know what? God can use that. And so we had some people here in our church who had to walk through the issues of dementia with their parent. And then they turned around and said, you know what, we want to help other people do that. So they started a dementia support group. I want to share with you the intriguing story of of John Baker. I've never heard of John Baker. Well, for many years, John Baker battled an addiction to alcohol. That addiction almost cost him his marriage, his family, and actually even his physical life. But thankfully, John found the Lord trusted in Christ as his rescuer, began to attend a local church. And that whole spiritual turning point in his life led him to write a letter to the pastor of the church outlining a vision for a ministry he believed God was just nudging him a little bit to start. He also, though, felt, as you can imagine, great feelings of inadequacy even thinking about this, but the pastor challenged him to go after his dream. The very next year, John launched a new ministry, called, you might recognize the name, Celebrate Recovery. It's a biblical process to help people find freedom from addictions through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And so for the next 10 years after he started Celebrate Recovery, God used John to deliver hundreds of people from the grip of a destructive lifestyle. Today, Celebrate Recovery is an international ministry helping millions of people overcome painful pasts and harmful addictions through the merciful and powerful love of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. If you were to meet John Baker, you would see an average guy who took everything that God made him to be, how God shaped him as a positive, even the painful in his life. And he decided to use the for his glory, God's glory. So with God's help and leading, he has made and continues to make a difference in other people's lives by fulfilling his unique design that God brought about in his life. Many of you know that I've battled prostate cancer two times. I can still remember emotionally, when I hear the word cancer, I can feel what I felt like when they first told me that over the phone. And I never dreamt what God was going to do in that in my own life. You know, I've, I've had an opportunity to take that painful experience, which is a painful experience, and God has allowed me to inform and counsel and help other men who are struggling with prostate cancer walk through that. Double digits of men. Some of you know that my son and his wife lost their first child at full term when the cord got wrapped around her neck. as a painful experience. But I can tell you, God has used that 
as they have now been able to minister to other couples that go through that experience. My youngest daughter went through multiple miscarriages. Eventually, God was gracious to them and gave them a daughter whose name is Summer, but they, they are able to utilize that experience, painful experience. That's the way God works it. He can use a painful experience as a catalyst to serve other people. Now, again, we have a choice to make when we're facing that painful experience. We can make the choice to become engulfed in self-pity, which ultimately leads to misery in our life, or we can make a choice to embrace that painful experience as a sacred scar, which can lead to ministry. You know, I I was reading this week about an 84-year-old lady who was asked this question, what would you change about your life as you look back on 84 years? Her answer was fascinating. She said, nothing. Nothing. Because God has used every experience, even times when I failed God terribly, to strengthen my relationship with him and use me, here it comes, to minister to others. God worked out every circumstance for good. Sometimes, men and women, we need to lead with our limp in life. Often our most effective ministry will flow out of our most difficult experience. And God is always at work, even in the darkest of times, so that we could say, God is saying to us, there's purpose in your past. There's purpose in your past. Now, someone might be thinking, you know, well, if you, when it comes to serving other people and ministering to other people, if you have a significant disability, well, that pretty well disqualifies you. You you, you, Someone who has a significant disability could say, there's nothing I can do. You know, God can't use me. It's not true. One illustration would be Caleb Berklin, who has a significant cerebral palsy disability. He has to be in a wheelchair all the time. But if you ever go in one of our services out through this door, you'll find Caleb is out there with his mom handing out bulletins. So even with all of that significant disability, he can still serve. I want to tell you the story also of Brady Nevels. Brady Nevels, I was just talking to him this week. He was in our office. Uh, He is legally blind by a disease that he inherited. And... uh, if he wants to travel here, he can't drive, so he has to call the city, he has to prearrange a couple of days ahead of time and a, uh, an, a reservation to get on a bus, which brings him over to Wildwood, and he comes with his companion dog, Conway, and he comes in our office, and he sits there, and he stuffs the bulletins that you pick up. That's who is stuffing them. The pile of each of them, and he's just working away. And then he also helps us with, with other tasks that we have around the office. I know of people who have been homebound, many of them bedbound. They just say, well, there's nothing I can do. And yet they decide that they're going to pray consistently and regularly for other people. You know, some of us are, you know, some of us are a little older. You know, we're on the well-seasoned side of life. And who expects someone who's well-seasoned to serve? You know, I, I was speaking to one of us who fit into that category 
a couple of weeks ago as we were going through the series, and they said this to me. They said, you know what? I can't serve at the same level I used to do. And when I was younger, I did a lot more. But they went on to say this. I can still, though, utilize my gifts and my heart passion. I'm not going to sit idle. I, I just do it in a different way now. In other words, I'm not going to stop serving. I'm going to make a shift in how I serve. So no matter our experiences, be they positive or painful, God can utilize them to shape us, to equip us, to serve him and other people. Now, some of us might be in the midst of a very painful experience right now, and I just want you to be encouraged by some of the words from Psalm 139. So if you're thinking of a painful experience you're having, here's what God says to you and to me. Psalmist is talking to the Lord. He says, you chart the path ahead of me. Every moment you know where I am. That's comforting. You both proceed and follow me. Walking with you before it, be walking with you after it. You place, I love this part, you place your hand of blessing on my head. When you're in the middle of a painful experience, that's a wonderful truth. He goes on to say, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to know. See, God's plan is to shape us to serve him and other people. Divinely designs us to serve using his spiritual gifts, our heart passion, our abilities, our personality, and yes, our life experiences. So, we've covered a lot of stuff this morning and all through this series all month long. I want to talk about life response. What can we do to respond to everything we have learned? Well, the first one I, I have up here is fill out your map. You go, what is a map? Well, a map is a handout that I have. We have some of them out on the table in the gathering hall. You can also go to wildwoodchurch.org serve and download it. But it's just a little plan to help you work through everything we've done in this series. It has a place where you can unwrap your gift and you can fill in a couple of blanks, where you can monitor your heartbeat, fill in a couple of blanks, where you can add in your abilities and then plug in your personality, fill in a couple of blanks. And then letter E, embrace your life experiences and you can fill that out. And then the idea is to transfer the blanks onto a piece of paper here. And then we have a bunch of questions that we want you to prayerfully ask before the Lord. This is just a way to help you further apply what we've been covering this whole time. So number one, fill out your map. Number two, I would say, get creative. Get creative when it comes to how God wants to use you to serve others. Allow yourself to think a little creatively. You know, Ken and Aaron are both really good mechanics, not their job, During the week, Ken manages an appliance department in a large chain store, and Aaron carries on his insurance business. Both of them are married guys with nearly grown children. But here's the way they got creative. The first Saturday of every month, they schedule simple auto repair and auto care for single moms, senior citizens, and other people who are financially pressed. They only charge for the oil and any parts, and Ken and Aaron consider this their burden and their passion, they believe it is a calling from God. You get a little creative. I read about another group of people in a church who all 
had the gift of giving and they decided to get together and they started a little fellowship that they called Salt Shakers. And what would happen is that various people in their church who had needs would get checks in the mail, maybe 50, maybe 75, maybe 100, $200, any amount that would help them in their situation. And as they got that mailed to them, the return address would only say Salt Shakers. Just some people who wanted to minister their gift to those who had need. And as we get creative, some of us might think, well, you know what? I only have a little, a little ministry idea. I want to read you a quote from that famous guy, Anonymous. You ever notice how many wonderful quotes Anonymous has? Here's one of the things he said. He said, find out what God would have you do. Perform that service well. For what is great and what is small, only God can tell. So don't be discouraged. And then, the third thing that I would say is to aim for your sweet spot. You know, if you've ever played tennis, you want to hit the ball in the sweet spot of the racket. So aim for your sweet spot where it seems like you're best designed to serve. But I still want to remind you that we still have to change diapers. There's still messes that need to be cleaned up and no one feels like, I have the gift of diaper changing. You know, I remember one Sunday before we had our cleaning crew present with us on, on Sunday mornings and Mark was preaching. And so I was wandering around in the hallways during one of those services and someone came up and said, oh my goodness, the toddler toilet is completely overflowed. We don't know. I mean, everybody who's, who's teaching was busy. Who's going to clean it up? So that's what I went and, and did. I cleaned up the toddler toilet and it wasn't a very pretty sight. Let me trust, trust me on that. So sometimes we have to do those kind of things. But aim for your sweet spot. And by the way, don't get paralyzed waiting for the perfect fit. But aim for that. By the way, if you haven't taken one of those yellow cards and filled it out, I would encourage you to fill that out. Just showing your interest in serving. We've had more than 50 of them already filled out. We've got more opportunities to serve. And so if you haven't done that, fill it out. Put it in one of the buckets that are at the doors as you leave. Also, check out the children's ministry wall out there. We've got other opportunities for you to lead and to serve in ministry. But as we close, I simply want us to look at these words from Colossians 3, verses 24, rather 23 and 24. Whatever you do, Keep working at it with all your heart as for the Lord and not for people because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. Keep serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do that together, all right? Let's keep serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. I'm so excited. This is a living book a living book that we hold in our hands. And what a privilege it is to open it up and to see parts of the way that you have planned to use us in life because you have divinely designed us to serve. May we be men and women, young people, even our children who understand that they have a call to serve you and to serve others. And we pray that you'll be honored as we do that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 